0: I got to know Charlie Munger much later than I got to know Warren Buffett, um, probably 10 years ago or so or less. And I knew who Charlie Munger was, but he was less accessible. He was out in California. Um, He'd come to Omaha once a year. I don't remember Charlie ever coming to New York, and I live in New York, and he lives in Southern California. Um, Besides that, I was always told to be a little bit wary of Charlie. Charlie was cranky. Charlie was difficult. Charlie would snap at you. <laughs> so maybe there was, I had a less of a uh, desire to reach out to him. But, you know, he is incredible in his own right, incredibly smart, and an incredible counterpoint to Warren Buffett. He doesn't have the same EQ in terms of getting along with people. He doesn't care. That's not to say that he's a nasty person at all. He just doesn't really suffer fools lightly. Um, He does enjoy good conversation and he loves meeting people and he loves hearing new ideas. Um, And he's a great interview. I asked Charlie Munger about his zingers because they're so good. You know, Warren will say something very long and somewhat diplomatic and maybe kind of winding around the point you can figure out what he's saying. He's not elliptical, but he just wants to get there and not make you feel bad. And then Charlie would say at the end, and they're terrible also, you know, just like, gee, what do you really think? But it's something a lot smarter than that. I mean, have these zingers. And so I asked him, I said, listen, do you practice those things? Do you come up with them? Do you rehearse them? And he said, absolutely not. You know, they. this is 100% unrehearsed, unpracticed. And it just shows his mind. I mean, it's it's an incredible Charlie, mind that he Charlie has. Munger. Charlie nice to see you. to be here. So you just had the annual meeting, and I have to ask you what your favorite moments of that were. What I
1: like is that both the shareholders and the employees of Berkshire are so extremely enthusiastic. And it's not just that they've made a lot of money and have nice careers.
0: They think they're on the right side. And, you know, they come there to hear you guys talk all day. And yes, like a cult. Is like a cult? Yeah. In a good way though. Yeah, a good cult, yes, <laughs> a good cult. Okay. I mean in the the stuff that they hear, some of it's new, some of it's old, and a lot of it is common sense. And you were talking All a lot. A of about it is common sense.
1: Right. But of course when people use the word common sense, what they mean is uncommon sense. Because the standard human condition is ignorance and stupidity. And so when they say old Joe has common sense. What they mean is he has uncommon sense. I guess it's a bis- bit of a
0: misnomer then. But it really is. So yeah, you know, why is it that people can't think clearly about investing or decisions in their lives? Well, they don't think very well about sex or gambling either.
1: You know, the standard human condition is a lot of miscognition.
0: And there are ways to make hay of that, or yes, you
1: can take advantage of other people. You can improve your own life by eliminating your miscognitions.
0: Let me shift gears a little bit, Charlie, and ask you about uh, the U.S. economy. And um, what is your take on where things are right now?
1: Well, obviously they're booming, but you know the economy sometimes booms and sometimes it doesn't. And you have to live your life through both episodes. and. Our attitude is we just keep swimming, and sometimes the tide is with us, and sometimes against. And But we keep swimming either way.
0: Are you surprised by how long this expansion has lasted? Of course,
1: it's lasted a long time. But what was really remarkable is that we never printed money so much, and spent it so fast, and bought back so much debt, public and private. So this is total terra incognita in economics, and, and nobody knew for sure how it was going to work. So was it risky then? Of course it was risky, but it worked, and the, I don't think they had much else that would work. They weren't set up to do stimulus, too much controversy, democratic inertia, the various kinds. so they had to do something, and all they had left was just to print money and start buying things, and that's what they did, and it turned out to be a very wise response and What's even more remarkable is that both Congress and the presidency and or both parties made the same decision. They all cooperated. It was the last time But where is that going to leave
0: us ultimately? Well, it
1: left us licking the Great Recession So maybe we ought
0: to try cooperation again since it worked so well once. How much is President Trump responsible for this current economic situation?
1: Well, I think he deserves a, some credit, but a lot of it just happened.
0: Economic cycle?
1: Yeah, and the decisions of his predecessors. predecessors.
0: Um, what do you think about the President's um, campaign to lobby the Fed to lower rates or keep rates low?
1: Well, I think presidents have always done this. If you're a politician in a democracy, of course, you want people to print money and spend it. And, of course, it's not a good idea. The best example, probably in the whole world, is Singapore, which has zero debt and never prints money and spends it, and is one of the most successful places on Earth. I wish we were like that, but but there's only one Singapore. Well, some people now say that federal debt is not a problem at all. Well, if you believe that, you believe in the tooth fairy because then we don't have to have any more taxes ever. We'll just print money and live happily ever after. It obviously won't work. So There comes a point when printing money is counterproductive. Are we at that point, are you concerned? No, I don't think we are at that point, but nobody knew where the point was going to come, and we don't know now. None of these people who are so pompously sure of things, because we all want reassurance, and so, so they provide it. But nobody really knows how much of this
0: is too much. And do you have any thoughts on Jay Powell and the job that he's done? Well, I think a lot of him. I think he's as good a choice as we could have made. One consequence of this expansion, or actually precedes that, it's just something that's occurred in our economy over the past 50 years, really, has been wealth and income inequality. Yeah. One, do you see it as a problem? Two, if so, how do we address it?
1: Well, it's a problem if enough politicians are screaming about it that makes it a problem. If it weren't for that, this one will go away by itself. It happened by accident. We were in desperate trouble. We were on the eve of... A great recession that could have been a great depression, and then followed by the rise of people like Adolf Hitler, and so on and so on. So, we faced a real catastrophe. The only weapon they had with this huge was to print money and spend it. And they did it. Well, of course, and they drove interest rates down to zero, or real interest rates. Well, of course, that lifted asset values for the people who were already rich. Nobody was trying to make the rich richer. It just was an accidental byproduct of a correct governmental decision made on a bipartisan basis. And since it was a weird byproduct that occurred in a weird time, it'll go away by itself in due course.
0: It'll go away by itself? Sure. So there's no reason for... uh, The people that
1: are screaming about it are idiots. It's going to go away by itself. Now, that's not to say that we can't raise the minimum wage a little and enlarge the social safety net a little. We should be doing that as we prosper. Both parties agree on that.
0: What do you think about the proposals put forth by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Elizabeth Warren that would sort of greatly address this problem?
1: Well, I don't consider those two necessarily the best prescribers in the world they're kind of likable i particularly kind of like elizabeth warren she's got a manner that appeals to me really but i don't agree with her her attitude i don't think she's studied adam smith enough
0: and what about aoc do you have any take on her
1: i don't think she knows who adam smith was
0: um I want to ask you just a few more questions about politics and we can talk about the markets and Berkshire a little bit more. What about um, the situation that we find ourselves in with the Mueller report and the way Congress and the Democrats are fixating on that and the president's on the defensive? What is your thoughts, thinking on that?
1: I tend to avoid the whole subject, just as I ignore tide with me, tied against, and just keep swimming. Both parties are so partisan now that they're blinded by their anger. And I don't want to be blinded by my anger, so I control it. And I would recommend it to both parties. I think they
0: should all cool it. Why are we so divided up, Charlie, right now in this country? Well, anger, when you pound on
1: one another, feeds on itself. That's one of the great difficulties with it. It's irrational and it feeds on itself. So I liked the world when it was Dwight Eisenhower against Adlai Stevenson and more civility and Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill got along and, and a lot of it was done. My war was a bipartisan war. And in the aftermath, foreign policy of the United States was a bipartisan policy. I liked that world better. I hate this extreme hatred on both sides.
0: Will we ever get back to those days or get to new days where we don't have the hatred? Probably.
1: If You live long enough, a lot of good things happen, a lot of bad things happen.
0: Fair enough. It's my understanding, Charlie, that you were instrumental in helping Warren get away from focusing on the cigar butt form of investing and looked more towards companies that I guess you could call them branded companies. Better businesses. Better businesses, right? Yes. Um, how did you help him make that uh, decision?
1: Well, it was perfectly obvious. And he'd made so much money in the other technique that it was hard for him to leave something that had worked so well. But it was not going to scale. So he, when he started looking for investment values, and great businesses that were temporarily under pressure,
0: it changed everything for the better. Now we could scale up to the big time. Are Apple and Amazon technology companies or are they brand companies? Both. Um, someone told me they asked Warren if he could buy one brand, this was about 40 years ago, what that company, what that brand would be, and he said Gillette which makes sense, what would that company be today? Coca-Cola. Still?
1: If you take the amount of Coca-Cola drunk in the world in the main flavor, it's one hell of a brand. Now, it's such a different product from this stuff on the Internet. I don't have the same. My judgment would not be as good on the Internet as it is on Coca-Cola.
0: Um, I want to get back to Apple. Tim Cook was at the meeting yesterday, did you you get a chance to speak with him? I did. Can you tell us what you guys talked about? Nothing.
1: We exchanged pleasantries, but he's a wonderful guy and of course
0: it's a huge record that he's building. Let me ask you a little bit about uh, Kraft Heinz and that situation. During the meeting yesterday, we found out that the chief marketing officer um, was leaving the company. Did you know that And, and what does that mean for the company? I knew nothing
1: about it in advance. What happened there was very easy. The truth of the matter is that Heinz ketchup was a stronger brand than Kraft cheese. And they paid more for it. So one acquisition worked brilliantly and the other worked poorly.
0: Well, welcome to adult life, it happens to everybody. You mentioned that you think that uh, Tim Sloan could still be or should still be the CEO of Wells Fargo?
1: Yeah, if I were running the world, Tim Sloan would still be the CEO of Wells Fargo. Well, why did he leave then? Well, he made this decision, but he was being pushed hard. He did it for the benefit of the company. There was just so much of this partisan hatred was washing off against Wells Fargo. It's understandable. He was there for a long time. The company had defrauded its own customers. Nobody was seemingly being punished for it in some people's minds. Listen, two CEOs left under pressure. I regard that as a lot of punishment. So I don't think these people were failing with their anger. They removed two CEOs. And so, and but now they went out. And they it's like Tim Sloan was not responsible for the crazy incentive system that created the trouble. So they threw him out the way you would take out the charwoman when you raid a gambling establishment.
0: Getting back to Coca-Cola, you mentioned that it would be a bad idea if it got into cannabis. I mean, why not? Doesn't it make sense? Because it's such
1: a wholesome brand and associated with happiness. Why do we want to associate it with a recreational drug? Well, just, no, they have to grow. Ter- I think that would be a terrible idea.
0: Um, what about um, Boeing and the 737 MAX? I mean, they're going to fix that? Would you of course go on they're the going to Would you go on the plane after they said it was fixed?
1: Yes, of course and they will fix it well. But I don't think it was really all that excusable that they made the mistake. I want to ask
0: you, Charlie, a little bit about uh, no, that was a serious mistake. You know, then they're still working on it.
1: Yeah, they'll fix it. Boeing probably has the best safety record in the world if you take 60 years. And this was a very unusual lapse.
0: There may not be another one for 60 years. Is that lapse symptomatic, though, or indicative of us developing software that's too powerful and we don't understand the consequences of it? No,
1: I don't think the problem was that. I think it was just an absolute lapse of being a big bureaucracy.
0: You also mentioned uh, at the meeting yesterday doing um, billion-dollar deals overnight with very short contracts. Yeah, we've always done that.
1: Has that ever blown up on you? I can't think of a single example in my whole life where keeping it simple has worked against us. We've made mistakes, but they weren't because we kept it simple. And that's simple. I would say that the chief advantage that Berkshire has had in accumulating a good record is that we have avoided the pompous bureaucratic systems We've tried to give power to very talented people and let them make very quick decisions.
0: Um, I want to ask you about something that's talked about all the time with you guys, which is succession. And you talk about, again, you talk about that all the time, and this has been countless barrels of ink spilled. But if you're getting older, how do you make the decision to step back if you may not have the mental acuity to make that decision.
1: Well, I think you'll be surprised at how well both Warren and I are capable of stepping back when, when we feel our powers are too far deteriorated. And have you talked about that? Sure. And Warren has told people <laughs> to speak up when the time comes. If we've been rational all this way do you think we're not going to try and be rational right to the bitter end
0: is the process i mean we're sort of in the middle of the process you've been giving more and more um control or uh, authority to ajit and greg and todd and ted um so it's sort of um a continuum a process just like that of
1: course and by the way it's working fine It's amazing how good this next generation is. And they're steeped in our non-bureaucratic ways. There's these big bureaucracies, they think the work is done if you get it out of your inbox and into somebody else's inbox. That is not getting it done. Getting it done is when it's done, not when it's in somebody else's inbox. And if everybody's in a big committee meeting all the time You're worn out at the end of the day, and you haven't done anything.
0: Are Ted and Todd making all the stock choices at this point? No, of course not. Warren steps in and does big things. Where do you think, Charlie, the biggest opportunities are globally right now?
1: Well, I don't think we have a master plan of knowing where the opportunities are. We're trying to find intelligent things to do with a torrent of surplus cash. And we've always had a torrent of surplus cash. And we're always looking for intelligent things to do with it. And if we find things that are intelligent to do, we do it. And if we don't find anything, we let the cash build up.
0: What the hell is wrong with that? Not much. Yeah, not much is right. So I know that you guys have talked about England, or it seems that you have, because uh, Warren talked about doing this article in the FT as basically a way of signaling potential interest, given that Brexit may create some opportunities. Is that the case?
1: What the hell do I know about Brexit? I don't even know how I'd vote on it if I were in England. Yeah, I just don't, I don't know much about it. But we'll react to opportunities wherever they are, and we regard them. The vicissitudes
0: of politics, as it's just what they are, vicissitudes. But isn't a little bit more than a vicissitude to drop out of the European Union? I mean, is a European. I'm suggesting
1: it isn't a good deal. This country was enormously helped when we put all the colonies together. If we had internal tariffs against each little colony, the United States would not be as big as it is. So it's understandable what Europe wanted to get together. In addition to the advantages they got from the free trade, they'd had a long history of having wars and uh, We all are sort of one big place trading with one another. It'll be safer. Those were very good ideas I'm not quarreling with the basic ideas on the other hand if you have Unlimited immigration from one country to another that causes lots of strains look at Germany Merkel brought in more emigration than her people she wanted she was leading a parade, and she looked back and nobody was following. So these very few people want unlimited immigration of a different culture. Doesn't immigrate- we made it work in America, but we had a vacant continent to work on. It was easy, vacant and rich, oil, minerals, wonderful soil. Should we still be letting immigrants into this country? I think we should have way more control of our borders than we do. Isn't that different? Donald Trump is right on that, and I think the Democrats are committing suicide by being so they hate him so much that they're against him even when he's right.
0: It seems like the borders is conflated with immigration policy sometimes though, right? I mean in other words. Well of course they are. Yeah.
1: And and but I think we ought to have some control over immigration. Some effective control i think the bulk of the people want to be very nice to the people that are already here including all the people from latin america but they want more control over the
0: inflows are you concerned about this rise of somewhat uh, nationalistic leadership around the world like in turkey in uh, brazil in china in the united states arguably well Take
1: Brazil. Who in the hell would like Brazil? It's a great climate and a great
0: country, but they're screwing it up to a fairly well. You mean the new leader or just what's happened previously? It's what's happened generally. Yeah. Okay. So, does that require a strong man to take over, though?
1: Well, I don't think I've got deep knowledge on exactly what works well in the, the internal politics of every other country. Who would have guessed that the Chinese communists would improve their big country as much as they have in the last 30 years? That surprised you? Well, they didn't. The first 20 years, they had the Cultural Revolution. It was crazy. And now they have one of the greatest success records in the history of mankind. I don't know about you, but I did not predict it. I didn't. But, but what, So what is the secret to China's success then? They copied Singapore.
0: Which is... remember the, the
1: communist leader said, "I don't care if the cat is black or white; I care whether it catches mice." And they copied a very wonderful, famous Chinese man in Singapore, and lo and behold, they they found the right they found the right Chinese leadership outside of China, which amuses me. Now he was Chinese. But look at the way it worked. In the whole history of the world, no nation that big has ever advanced that fast. And they did it by having a bunch of poor people save half their income. They did not use the wealth of the rich world to get ahead. They they used the savings of poor people. I am a huge admirer of what the Chinese have accomplished. And I give, if you ask me who is the one man who did the most for China, It was Lee Kuan Yew of Singapore. They copied him.
0: Are you still sanguine about the future for China right now? There's a lot of concerns about slowing growth and leverage in the system. I'm quite optimistic.
1: They've been succeeding for a long time. Sure, they have ups and downs, and they make mistakes as well as good decisions. But if you average them out, the Chinese are getting ahead. They're not moving backward.
0: What do you think the economic relationship between china and the united states looks like say two years from now
1: well if both sides have any sense they will be better and better friends and adjust all differences it is stark raving madness on either side not to make a friend of the other really powerful nation on earth
0: i want to ask you a little bit about some silicon valley stuff i mean you said yesterday you were ashamed of missing on Google.
1: Yeah, I am. We could see if we looked carefully at our own companies that their advertising was working way better than other advertising. Just we weren't paying enough attention. So, is it too late? I don't know. I don't know
0: everything, you know. Well,. We'll leave that aside. But, you know, you look at these uh, tech investments. So there's Apple, now Amazon. Did you know about the Amazon purchase? Were you involved in that decision? No, of course not. Um, I've never owned a share of Amazon. I am a huge admirer
1: of Bezos. I think he's been sort of like Lee Kuan Yew. He's a leader that's all by himself. He's, He's been just a perfectly amazing human leader. But... It's always been too complicated and uncertain for my particular temperament. It's interesting And I find other things to do that'll work fine.
0: Someone um, was telling me the other day that they thought that you could actually sort of think of Apple and Amazon not as technology companies so much, but as big branded growth businesses, which would be something that would be appealing to you.
1: Oh, I think they're both. Right, brands and technologies, and it's hard to separate the effect of one from the other.
0: Okay, um, and as far as what's going on in Silicon Valley right now with IPOs, unicorns going public and not having any profitability or any prospect of profitability um, in the near term, what do you think of that situation?
1: Well, there are a whole lot of things I don't think about, and one of them is companies that are losing two or three billion dollars a year and going public.
0: It's, it's not my scene. Have you looked, so you're not interested in Uber or companies like that necessarily? Well, I
1: have to be interested when they're that important and sweep the world and change practice. But I don't have to invest in everything I'm interested in. I'm looking for things where I think I can predict what's going to happen with a high degree of accuracy. And I have no feeling that I have the ability to do that with Uber.
0: Right. I want to ask you... Um, about architecture, which is something you've been interested in for a while. How did you get interested in that, and what is your current situation um, Well, I have an uncle there. who is an architect, and
1: it's, I've always thought it was the queen of the arts. In other words, I think architecture does more good than painting or sculpture. So I think architecture is hugely important very interesting, and does such enormous good when it's done right. So I'm a big admirer of of the, of the potentiality of the profession. But I think that... I think a lot of people go into architecture because they're sort of frustrated sculptors, and they don't think with enough common sense or uncommon sense about what the hell they're doing. What are some projects that you've been involved with, though? Oh, I've, I've built houses. I've built office buildings. I've built apartment houses. I've, I've helped charities and educational institutions build things. I've built science
0: centers. I, I do a lot of it. I like it. Is this a creative outlet for you? Yes, absolutely. Do you have some projects that you're working on right now, some of architecture course. projects? What are they about?
1: Well, I'm working on projects at UCSB, mm-hmm. University of California at Santa Barbara, and and uh, and it's basically housing, but of several kinds.
0: I want to shift gears and ask you a little bit about um, repurchasing shares. You said in the shareholder meeting, I predict we'll get a little more liberal in repurchasing shares. How much more aggressive will you get? And Do you think that's going to be a problem potentially with the Democrats?
1: Well, a politician that's in the business of howling about something, trying to create a sense of outrage, uh, they're always complaining about something. But, and it is true that a lot of people, it got so popular to purchase shares that some people purchased them repurchase them even when they were too high-priced. We will never do that. We're only going to buy them back if they're t- too cheap. And But of course that ought to be done. If you had a partnership with three of your crippled relatives and one of them needed some money, wouldn't you buy out the crippled relative with the company's money? It's just simple morality. So, But I do think it's being overdone by some people. And it undoubtedly is being done to prop up values, which I regard as an improper use of the share repurchasing technique. Should there be laws about that? No. There are laws, and and but we shouldn't be telling people what the right price is.
0: Right. Um, so I want to ask you a little bit about. Um, the social safety net we were talking about, and Medicare, and do you support Medicare for all? Would that be something you'd be interested in? Well, I'm one of
1: the few Republicans you'll ever talk to that thinks we should have a single-payer system, but not one of the type that we're going to get. If you look at the single-payer system of Singapore, it costs 20% of what ours cost, and that's an advanced civilized high-income nation. And of course the people are a lot healthier. Well of course I'd rather spend 80% less and have the people healthier. And of course I'd like to have American manufacturers not have this terrible burden of unnecessary health costs that affects their competitiveness in the world. So we have an insane medical system that grew like Topsy by accident with the help of a lot of dumb governmental intervention. Not all of it was dumb, but some of it was, and and the system is ridiculous. If a young family has to pay a $5,000 deductible to have a baby, they don't really have medical insurance. It isn't just the Medicare that's wrong. The whole damn system is going wrong. And the amount of unnecessary tests and unnecessary prolongation of inevitable death that's going on is a national disgrace. Of course, I don't like it. Have you ever thought about moving to Singapore, Charlie? Well, no, but I'd like to move some of Singapore's results into the United States. They have practically no deaths from opioids. They have a low crime rate. They have no debt of the whole country. No, no, they're doing a lot right. I wish to hell our politicians in both parties would spend a lot more time studying Singapore.
0: But some people say, many people say, it's an authoritarian government. There's no... There's a lack of freedom there. It's a democracy. It just
1: does such a good job that the people keep reelecting it.
0: That's the, I like that result.
1: What the hell's wrong with that?
0: I was with some people um, just a few minutes ago, actually, and they were kind of recounting some of your zingers. Um, do you spend time before the meeting say, "Oh, I've got like these six zingers. I'm going to get out during the annual meeting." Never.
1: Think of all the people you know that have tried to take one extra step and have fallen off a cliff. Well, on that happy note, we will conclude (laughs) the meeting. (laughs) That's just come to you? Yes. I think the meetings work better if they're spontaneous.
0: If we were scripting things, I don't think people would like it. So you and Warren don't say anything at all before you sit down there? Zero. You have no idea what's going to happen? That is correct. That's fantastic. Um, So I want to ask you just a question or two about growing up. And you were at the University of Michigan, and you dropped out and joined the Army, right? I certainly did.
1: And we all did in those days.
0: Yeah, so how did that... Did the Army influence you? Well, everything influences
1: you in your past life. And yes, of course it influenced me. I never wanted to be in a big bureaucracy. I was well toward the bottom I finally got to be a second lieutenant in the army. I was way down in the ranks and nobody gave a damn what I thought about any subject. They just gave me a little job to do when I was supposed to do it. And of course I didn't like that as well as having a freer rein to control my own destiny and so on. So I'm much better adapted to being a capitalist operator than I am to being a cog in a bureaucracy. Did you ever get in trouble in the Army? Of course.
0: Tell us about that.
1: Well, my senior officers could tell I thought they were wrong. (laughs) And I tried to hide it, and they could still tell. (laughs) And so, of course, I I never got in any serious trouble. But who in the hell likes a junior officer? You look over there, and he's plainly indicating he thinks you're an idiot.
0: So that didn't work out too well.
1: Well, it worked out all right. I did my work well enough, so they didn't bother me. But it it, I, it it was it was not a milieu where I was going to succeed.
0: Right. So, how did you figure out? A lot of people look at your life, and you know, would want to emulate what you've done. Is that something that people can do? Look at someone like yourself and see your path. I mean, you're in real estate, law, then investing. What do you even consider yourself? A businessman? How would you describe what you do?
1: Well, I don't consider myself a... I think my way of thinking will work for anybody, of trying to be very rational and disciplined. So I think that much. But to flit around to various careers and go into the other fellow's professional territory and try and outdo him, and do all kinds of things like that, I think will not work for most people. And so I always tell, I'm always being visited by young men who say, I'm practicing law and I don't like it. I'd rather be a billionaire, how can I do it? (laughs) And I tell them, well, I'll tell you a story. A young man goes to see Mozart. And he says, Mozart, I want to start composing symphonies. And Mozart said, how old are you? And the guy says, 22. And he says, you're too young to do symphonies. And the guy says, yes, but you were 10 years old. When you were composing 70s. and Mozart says, "Yes, but I wasn't running around asking other people how to do it." Right. So I think this flitting around business is something not everybody should try. Yeah, I think. You said I think was, if I tried it again, it might not have worked as well.
0: You said, "Just figure out I, how I may to have do been something quite and lucky. Do it." Why were you, you were lucky?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I had some luck. Yes.
0: Well, but. I think there's more to it than that. I mean, where were you? looking? Yes, the
1: combination of luck and skill. That's what
0: all good records are. Right. Um, so let me just ask you a few more questions. And do you you eat all that peanut brittle up there? Right. Yeah. Is that your one peanut brittle day, or do you? Do yeah, peanut it is. Brittle? Really? Yeah, it is. So the other 364 days, you don't eat much of it. They put it there. I think they.
1: They. It's Warren is so business-like he likes promoting peanut
0: brittle at the annual meeting well don't the other berkshire brands get jealous and say once you put like a railroad train up there or something like that well, we got a
1: whole exhibit hall full of other brands promoting one another at the berkshire meeting you cannot claim
0: that we're under promoting I, I would never claim that but you you know the the coke people and the seas people get special placement up there
1: yes they? they do but those are two where Seize was our first great brand, and Coke is one of the great, it's the great drink, soft drink brand of the world. So they're entitled to have a, a, a special place.
0: Do other companies ask to get put up there, though?
1: Well, they all push themselves forward as much as we'll let them. Is that a yes? Yes. They, of course
0: they want to be pushed up. Um, and, and finally, Charlie, I want to ask you a little bit about um, philanthropy. And, you know, it seems like Warren's been sort of a little bit more upfront about that, about that with Bill Gates and the Giving Pledge. And I know you're philanthropic as well. Um, what is your thinking on that? How Well, I
1: wouldn't sign the Giving Pledge because I've already transferred so much to my children that I've already violated it. So I think I'm asking, I'm Seeking false credit if I join them and say I'm a big Philanthropist that's gonna give more than half of my wealth to charity. I've already given more than half of it to my children So I can't join them It's like coming back from the dead. I can't do it.
0: But doesn't that make Warren mad? I mean, no, just he not mad. When is
1: Warren mad about somebody else's? Warren thinks that each bircher
0: or is entitled to do with his own money what he damn pleases. So so let me just follow up on that what you did then what was your thinking in terms of giving a mo- giving away money like that though
1: well it's simply itself i had a wonderful wife most wives worry that the husband if he survives will get involved with some nurse or something in his dotage and that the money will go away from the children and i knew that my dead wife would have preferred to have the money go to the children so i arranged that she got her wish
0: right So any thoughts on how uh, the meeting is going to be different next year? I mean, when do you start talking about that? Or do you even talk about the annual meeting?
1: We never talk about it. We just do what works as long as it works. And when it stops working or it indicates it's going to stop working, we'll stop.
0: Did Apple say they wanted to have some exhibit in the convention center this year? I had no discussion with them. I don't
1: have any idea what they're doing.
0: And do you see a time when Ajit and Greg and Ted and Todd will come up there with you at some point? I don't know how it will morph. I don't think
1: that what worked in one era has to be duplicated in another. I don't think what we're doing would work for many people. I think it was an historical accident. We didn't do it on purpose. We just sort of drifted into it. When it worked, we fanned the flames but we didn't create it with any forethought. And I think some later generation will have some different system. I think there's more wise-assery in our meeting than would be appropriate forever. And I'm the principal wise-ass.
0: Yeah, you are. Buffett and Munger say they've never had an argument they literally finish each other's sentences. We, we see that at the annual meeting every year. I mean, that's they actually do that. You know, that's an expression, but they actually really do finish each other's sentences. Um, I think that it's an incredible combination of they think alike and they think in complementary ways. They're not exactly alike. You know, Charlie knows more about um, China. Warren doesn't really know anything about it. Um, it was Charlie who introduced... Buffett to investing in good companies. I mean, before that, Warren Buffett just invested in deep value. But Charlie convinced him it wasn't really scalable. It was a pretty small universe of companies that you needed to buy great companies like Coca-Cola and Gillette and now Apple and Amazon. So without Charlie Munger, you probably wouldn't have had that. And Buffett wouldn't have been the person that he is today. So uh, I think they, they fit together very, very well. Thanks for listening to Influencers. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Yahoo Finance on Twitter at Yahoo Finance and at SirWork.